Thanks for joining us for the MassMEP Manufacturing Podcast, Transforming Manufacturing Enterprises. MassMEP believes that there are some elements to a manufacturer's business, whether it's finding their inefficiencies, strengthening their internal processes, or even unlocking their growth that can extend a manufacturer beyond its current limitations. So every episode, take a journey with us as we speak with manufacturers, legislature, subject matter experts, and so many more as we head down the path of manufacturing across the state of Massachusetts. Whether we're in Boston, Worcester, or out in Springfield, maybe even in the Berkshires, we'll be here every week and we'll explain to you more about manufacturing and what's happening right in your own backyard. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mass MEP Manufacturing Podcast. I'm Haley Steele. And I'm Kevin Tata. Kevin, today it's so exciting because we actually have a real podcast with more than just you and I. Yeah, we do. It's it's exciting. We have an icebreaker and we have a guest. So we're starting off on the right foot. This is so fun. And Kevin now has become our expert. He's our subject matter expert in icebreaker questions. Yeah, 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 no doubt. So I, I will, uh, I have um, handed over the throne and said, have at it, my friend, enjoy these icebreaker questions. So I'm on the edge of my seat because I thoroughly enjoy this time when you ask these questions. I got to stay creative too. I have to keep them, keep them interesting, you know? Yeah. You'll be at the library. You'll be like in the Dewey Decimal System looking for <laughs> icebreaker questions like, hmm, are yeah. there books on icebreaker? People are like, yep. Dewey Decimal System, how old is she? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I love it. So today we are here because uh, we did do a series of podcasts on our Manufacturing Your Future Smart Manufacturing event. And we had three breakout sessions. And so we brought back our subject matter expert um, from our Department of Innovative Growth Services. She is the director. It is Miss Ellen Ellsworth. Welcome back, Ellen. Hi there. Nice to be back. Yeah, good. So we're bringing her back in the room today. Um, we're gonna kind of go over each of the breakout sessions and kind of give you an overview as to some of our methods to our um, creative madness that we have here at MassMEP and the importance of the breakout sessions, who we are um, and what we're doing with the information that we've collected from those breakout sessions and kind of the future look into uh, maybe what Ellen and her department have up their sleeve for moving into the next years and beyond when it comes to innovative growth services. So, but before we get started, um, Ellen is so excited. She cannot wait for Kevin to ask this question. <laughs> so um, the infamous um, icebreaker uh, question, Kevin, have at it. Yeah, without further ado, I think I came up with this uh, question last night when I was having a snack at home. I was eating a few, eating a couple cookies, and then I just, it just came to me. It just sparked in my head. And the icebreaker question is, all right, so Oreos is coming to you. Oreo, the company, is coming to you, and they want you to make the grossest cookie flavor that Mm. you can possibly come up with. What would you choose? Now, this might take a little bit of thought to figure it out. And I, I got a whole night to think of mine. So I, I can go first. <laughs> I thought of pickled and peanut butter. Mm-hmm. I, I despise pickles. 
I'm not I'm not a big pickle fan, but I do love peanut butter. But I think the combination of the two would just create a a terrible cookie. So that's Really? that's the icebreaker question. Let's see Okay. what you guys think. Well, don't don't ever get pregnant because you may have cravings for pickles Me? or peanut butter. Yes. No. I'll never get pregnant. Okay, I'll good. tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, Ellen, do you have so anything I, on this? I, I got one. I got All right. one. <clears throat> Only because Kevin made me think when he said what he didn't like. Olives. Olive Oreo. Oh, that's Nasty. a good one. That's I hate a good olives but a bad to begin one, you know? with. <laughs> yeah. Mm -mm. Olive Oreo, no thanks. Really? Mm -mm. No olives. No I can't olives eat any at all. of them. Really? Neither It's like one there's of you. a few things that I don't like, and that is that is one of them. The smell, the ooh, everything. Nope. Nope. Oh. Nope. Nope. That would be a terrible cookie. Oh. That would Um. be a bad one. I would not buy that one in Stop and Shop. That's for sure. Yeah. I just think this is kind of funny because like now they're making ranch flavored ice cream and buttered corn flavored ice. Yes, yes, yes. It's really kind of just odd. And it, like, I take it back to the whole, the jelly bellies, then they That's used to what like, I was thinking. right? And they Yeah. made those flavors and then they tasted like really bad stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. I just don't, I don't know. We actually just bought the pumpkin spice um, Oreos. I haven't tasted them yet, but I would think anything that doesn't have any... um right of being a sweet belongs in a cookie like Like sauce? yes like you know like ooh, like fish could you imagine like oh like dried salmon Sardines. sardine oh that's it there it is sardines couldn't do Sardines. it couldn't do a sardine flavor oreo ew That's it. you would have to tell them okay make a sardine you know people would eat that Oh, yeah, absolutely. They would sell Yes. just because. Some people would eat that. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. That's gross. Yeah. I can't even <laughs> No, if but if but to to Haley's point. When you're pregnant, anything's gay. correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So those 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 are who those would sell to, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They would be like, these things are the best things ever. I mean, you name it now and they're coming out with stuff. I just saw something not too long ago about like anything dill, dill pickle, anything is coming out now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Big Dill trend. pickle. Yeah. It's huge. And I listen, I do, I do love me some good dill pickle chips. I will eat Mm-hmm. that. They're delicious. I'm a salty person. I could do a salty and a sweet together. I could handle that, but oh yeah, no, that's gross. Ooh, who would want to do that? Why A would good you way do to that start. to an Oreo? That's awful. Yeah, That's right. horrible. A good way to start off the podcast. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Even giving like, the sour taste yeah, and stuff. yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So it gets a little like you turn that into, you know, their innovative way of doing things now and creating like new foods and coming up with flavors and they're messing with like your sensory and like, you know, your smell. And, you know, they make these waters now where you don't, there's no flavor in the water, but it's by your smell. So if you smell this flavor ring that's on the top of the water, when you drink the water, you will taste the flavor of the water. Yes. It's crazy. That's, but it's very innovative. It's, it's kind of out there, kind of similar to what we say when we talk about smart manufacturing, people go, oh my God, it's so far out there. 
How do I can't wrap my head around it? This is exactly what we do all day long when we're talking about what not to have a flavor of Oreo. This yep. is how we come up with our smart manufacturing ideas. This is yep. it. This is and I'm glad way. and I'm glad you laid it all out like that because that's exactly what I was thinking. Just I figured, like, I figured, yeah. yeah, you're very good at knowing. How, yeah, you're so good at the transitions and knowing how we, we're going to transition right into smart manufacturing. Absolutely. I yeah. feel like I just got a little slammed. Like if you come up with something absolutely disgustingly gross that nobody wants, yeah. that's how we, that's how we come up with our ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's one of those things where the other day we were talking about something and I Matt goes, how did you even get to this point? And I had to go all the way back to mm -hmm. tell him how I got there. And I think that's kind of what happens with a lot of, you know, like it's that outside of the box thinking. And then the, you know, somebody going, wait a second. And they start from point A, they go to point D, E, F, G, and then they're finally at B. And that's where they kind of pull it all together. And that that's, really when it comes to something like this that's innovation because it's so far out of the box sometimes with smart manufacturing that I think um, that's how we kind of came together and pulled our event together to know you know how to put on and pull in the topics we wanted to focus on um, and you will go through that a little bit with you Ellen so we did have in our three series of podcasts that we pulled together we spoke about the lean journey with FlexCon. We spoke with Hayden um, from MIT regarding three, the 3D additive manufacturing. And then we sat down with Cinejax and spoke about cybersecurity. Uh, those were our three rooms that obviously we did six breakout sessions, right? We had more than those three, but we purposefully kind of targeted those three because of the topics. And so when we pick those three, why do you feel that those three were the best three that we could focus on for the podcast series that we, you know, we, we just did with those three episodes? Was it your initiatives and where you're going with things and what we're doing with Mass MEP? Or was it just one of those moments where you sat and you were thinking about really gross Oreo flavors, and we ended up with those three rooms. <laughs> well, uh, it was not the gross Oreo flavors, okay. um, but I, I think they make a lot of sense to me. Um, and the first being, you know, the the FlexCon team, and I think they did an absolutely fabulous job, right? Really talking about the journey, right? And that you need to have a strong foundation, a culture, before you get into smart manufacturing. If you go buy something as a leadership, you go get a, a piece of equipment, no matter how large or small the cost is, it will sit and do nothing unless you have the culture behind it. And I think FlexCon's piece about lean and getting everybody up and trained and having a process and they're all marching together Mm -hmm. has really set the foundation for creativity, for innovation. You know, it's about allowing the people to do what people do best, mm -hmm. right? And and innovate. So I think that that makes a lot of sense. While it's not necessarily, you know, a foundational piece for me, it's a foundational piece for all companies. When we walk through the door, I could be there to do an assessment. 
I'm not not going to look at the culture and the lean pieces of it. Uh, when I am looking at just smart manufacturing, I'm going to look at the whole whole company. Right. So I'm going to ask you a question because we've talked about this um, a lot lately. We've been talking a lot about this lean champion. Is that something that's like, is that somebody you pick a person and like they're your, is that something you would work with? Or is that like a position that gets created? What, I mean, what does that mean? I, I hear it a lot um, in our conversations recently. Is that is that a role somebody takes? Is somebody steps up and says, I'm passionate about this. It's important. Like, how does that work? Yeah, I think it, it's, it's a great question. And it very much obviously is, is going to depend a little bit on the size of the company and the culture on if they can have and afford a full-time person. But in the end, if you have somebody who's organizing and continuing to move things forward, a lean champion makes a ton of sense. Okay. Um, because you will make your money back its back in spades. If you have somebody that's looking across things uh, from an organizational standpoint, taking lessons learned, um, rolling things out across the organization with this, you know, same mindset rather than, you know, you do something here, you do something here, you do something here. If you have a lean champion that is moving it forward, that's continuing to do events, et cetera. We can certainly play that uh, in a lot of instances for clients uh, and help, but to have somebody there every day to hold people accountable, if you put it on yourself as a leader, oftentimes it's like the last thing, right? Because you got things on fire and you say, I'll do lean after. Uh, and, and you really need somebody to be doing it there with you. I worked um, with somebody once who said, once we get on schedule and they were vastly off schedule, we'll do lean. And I was like, mm, you kind of need to do lean <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, to get on schedule. It's more of the person that helps facilitate courses and to say, mm -hmm. okay, what's our priority, okay. right? Where are we going to do a Kaizen? What's okay. our business priority? How are we going to do it? Okay, this is the first person. This is the team who's going to do it, who orchestrates, who works with the with the the um who works with the team to say, okay, this is the week we're going to do it, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to do a Kaizen. The whole team is going to do it. Then has another one planned, has another one planned and does all of the pre-work, right? Works to make sure all that pre-work gets done so that Kaizen is extremely effective. Okay. And then it's also there to do the post work, to say, this is, you know, how things went, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's more of the person, the leader, the, the person that's making things happen. And that is teaching others about, right. And we at MassMEP very much do that. Hmm. Um, but we're not in the companies every day in the same company every day to have as much of that ability for so for the smaller shops that don't have that ability to to have a lean champion you know or don't understand the value right mm -hmm. i think flexcon we taught them mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. they drank the kool-aid mm -hmm. and now they have those lean champions internally and they really drank the kool-aid and have fostered it and grown it tremendously Oh, yeah. Uh, more than you can have somebody in there, you know, even if we're there every week, somebody there every day really makes a difference. Cool. Totally. That makes sense. Um, the second room we're going to jump into is the additive room. And so 
what what is additive manufacturing and how are we in line with helping those understanding what additive is today? Yeah, and and I'm I'm glad you chose that, right? That's that's one of the the focuses of mine this year uh, has been additive, uh, mainly because of workforce and supply chain, right? I mean, we saw during the COVID uh, pandemic when things kicked off that everything that was hard about supply chain before got harder, right? Got a lot harder uh, and additive or 3D printing, whatever you would uh, want to call it, it's really the same thing, uh, became a way to get things done quicker. Um, and like Hayden said on the call, is it your end all be all in your solution for things? Not necessarily, um, but is it a way to innovate quickly? to come up with fixtures or tools or uh, assistance in your shop. Absolutely. Um, so I, I think it was a great choice. And I really like that he, as in Hayden, I mean, he's got no skin in the game and, and neither do we, right? We don't sell the equipment, right? Mm -hmm. So we're somebody that can say, this is where we think it makes sense, mm -hmm. right? And that's where us is added as... Um, that's where we as Mass and EP are the trusted advisors say, mm, have you thought about this? How are we in line with helping those understand what additive today is today? And like, how do we go into these companies and um, help them understand exactly what it is? Yeah. And so that's a, it's a good question. So we actually recently uh, put together a program uh, for additive manufacturing where We've partnered um, with a third party and, and us go in, help them understand what additive manufacturing is. There's actually seven different types of additive manufacturing. We tell them about the different types of additive manufacturing, the different categories, help them understand where it might make sense for them. So one of the values that we bring is we'll walk the floor and ask the questions right? Uh, at one of the clients we walked through, we talked about, okay, tell me about your supply chain on this, you know, because they had uh, stock stock bins that were empty. Like, are you having problems here, right? Mm -hmm. That might be an application. Tell me about how you make this, how many hours, how many setups, et cetera, et cetera. So we walk through, ask questions, get feedback right then and there to be able to say, okay, this is what we see that might be opportunity for you. But then the the client and the company, after they've learned and they're sitting through this class, which depending on the size of the company is, is two or three days, comes up with ideas. And they go, oh, I didn't, okay, I didn't think about this. This is what we can use. And because oftentimes people are thinking of additive manufacturing in two different ways. One is something I print at home for fun for like chess pieces or you know I have a little jet engine thing sitting on my desk right a little a little memento or uh metal 3d printing for a product that is going to replace this other product that I already make mm. that's not really where most use cases are right and so that's where we walk the floor and help them understand what makes sense right so you have this product today, mm, how much, you know, how much labor is it? How do you think about it differently? You might replace something that you do today, but often it might be in 
your fixturing, your prototyping. One client that we worked with, the marketing team was actually there. And she said, we always have problems. Our client is calling us, marketing and sales. Our clients will call us and they ask for something and our equipment isn't working correctly. And it's because they asked for the wrong size of a tube. You know, they specced their tubes wrong. And so they came up with like a quick little template that they would send to them, send out to their client. It's made out of plastic. It's cheap. It's quick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, over time, would it make sense maybe to make something like that? If you have volume in a different way, sure. Yeah. But to go get a mold made, to go get, you know, something quoted, et cetera, et cetera, it takes a lot of time and effort. So our role is really to educate on what are those little value adds that yeah. can really make a big difference. Yeah. Totally. That's pretty impressive to think about something um, <clears throat> at that level. And I think providing a lot of um, suppliers maybe don't realize that they can provide a solution that's a win-win situation on both sides of it. Um, When I worked for the manufacturer I worked for, it was a similar situation where it was created. We made dust collector bags. And so knowing the right size and knowing how they properly fit, we actually created a video. And so you're right, that does happen. And then they're calling in and they're putting in an order and they're asking for, you know, 150 bags to be made. That's not cheap. I mean, you're talking with the material and, you know, the labor and all the costs that are associated with it. And then it goes out, they try to snap the bags in, they don't fit. It can be a real expense. And so you as that supplier and providing that product to them, giving them, you know, those tools to help with those solutions is something as simple as, you know, a template, or we did a video and a little, you know, it showed and exactly how, and then we put together a kit and we sent the kit out that was, it had a a certain amount of tools in it. And that was what we gave to people as our client to help them. You know, and did it mean that they were always going to come back and they were going to buy from that company? No, not always, but it just helps with that, you know, providing that solution and helping educate them so that you're not both in a bad spot, right? You're not then ordering products and then they're not fitting and then you're out and, you you know, like, because you made the mistake, you didn't measure properly. And then the same with the the manufacturer, they're not making that product and sending it. So it is kind of a win-win thing but to think of something like that that's that small that maybe could be printed that you're using for it's it's a pretty um it's a pretty neat concept that they could they could do that with i think too when we talk about this stuff when it comes to these things you know we we kind of have jumped into um this new world of like cyber the cyber world and so obviously when you know you were looking at these three rooms, I don't think anything that we do or come in contact with today, you can't talk about cybersecurity. Everything that we touch or or we think about, um, you know, we joked about it. I think it was Christy made the comment, and I laughed when she said it. She's like, "What are they just leaving the the office, and not even locking their doors every night because they had like a negative whatever their score was, right?" And she's like, "What are they just leaving the front door wide open?" And I just chuckled because. People don't realize that that is a basic, you know, that's one of those basic indicators that it could be as simple as the back door not being locked and you're not hitting your mark. So when we got, we brought 
Synagexin and we talk to them and we work with two, we work with TSI, right? Mm-hmm. And we work with Synagex. We work with both of them when it comes to cybersecurity. Um, and I don't think there's anything that we do. So kind of when we look at this, why is it important for us to add this kind of layer on? Like, I feel like we start with the lean journey kind of gives that foundation and that basic and then additive, I feel is one of those, it just makes sense kind of piece. Like it's that middle layer in your hamburger. And then on the top of it, you're putting cybersecurity, but why do we do this in this kind of layered effect with cybersecurity kind of being the top layer? Yeah, and I, I, cybersecurity, I like the way you put that. I think cybersecurity is something though that, and personally, I kind of put my blinders on and when it's not real, it's not happening, or you could say blinders or like my earplugs, like nah, 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 I'm not hearing, right? And uh, when I talk to a lot of the, providers, right? We talk to different providers all the time. They come to us and say, Hey, do you have any needs? Uh, and I say, you know, we got some two, two great folks that do it today. Um, is my question to them always is who's coming to you. And often it's people who've been hacked, mm-hmm. right? They don't come to me until I've been hacked or till they have, or they have a request and a need, uh, a need meaning it's contractual. Yeah. And so we have the offerings and, and at the, for the past however many years, we are more focused on the CMMC part. And for those of you like me that had no idea how to spell CMMC, um, it's for federal contracts, DOD. Uh, and it's in your contract. You may or may not know it if you're doing that. Um, so give us a call. Um, but there's also, you know, there's a ton of folks that are being hacked and we have a number of clients that are non-DOD, not MC, and it will shut a place down, right? So the questions we ask, right, it's not necessarily an IT problem to your point, right? It's like, are your doors locked, right? Uh, it's more about the people, right? Then when Synergex has their rainbow of people have a number of different things, it's, it's about the people and how they're acting and behaving when they get emails, when they have their phone, when they get on Wi-Fi, uh, how they save their passwords, right? And, you know, so it's important to everyone. And for us, if we ignored it, it's, you know, any of our clients can be like shut down from it. Yeah. Uh, and so we can't ignore it. Uh it, it's just a must do. So we've actually expanded it. Uh, and, you know, we have a, a recent uh, offering that's non-CMMC focused, but again, more of an uh, a walk through your facility, understanding, educating your team to say, here's the things to look for. Here's what we saw, right? Here's what, um, here's some of your threats and here's some ways that you could address it. Yeah. If you're not CMMC, that you know, you might actually have a choice in the matter, uh, whether or not to go forward. Um, but it's, it's, you know, another answering to the need that's out there, whether people are saying we need it or not, they, they need it. So it's super, even a simple basic, I kind of, when you're saying this, I'm thinking this all kind of go, it comes full circle because you, when you spoke earlier about what FlexCon spoke to and the importance of their breakout session and how it was the culture and it's a lean journey 
this is the same thing. And it, and it always is. It's always, it's not the people, it's the processes that you have to teach the people that they have to know and understand. And I think when there's more of the why do we do this, then there becomes the ownership and the autonomy and get and the gain of, okay, now we get this and we understand why we need to do this. You know, it's, we had, it wasn't a, you know, we didn't get hacked or it didn't happen, but we, somebody's system wasn't backing up properly within our own organization and years of documentation and files all of a sudden are missing, you know? And so then everybody goes, whoa, pump the brakes. Our IT manager gets involved and says, hey, listen, what are we doing? Like, what is everybody doing for backup? I thought we were all on the same page. We thought we knew, we understood. And so we had to relearn ourselves. We had to relearn our process and our systems. And so that's why I say it's as basic as just what we do every day. And we don't, you know, it's not like we're, we're not DOD, you know, we don't have to answer to anybody at that level. And, but still it's, there isn't, you don't put things into a computer or, you know, work on, on a daily basis, just for the entire world to see. If you did, you just rent a billboard out in Times Square and you just pop it up there. Right. And everybody will be able to see what you've worked on in the day, but that's not what we're doing. So in, and understanding why cybersecurity is so important at every level. And like you're saying, even all these small, you know, the small um, pieces that each company can add to small companies that are two or three people, it's, it's simple things. Passwords are huge. I know that's a big deal for us. Um, we try to follow those processes. There may be a few here and there that I don't necessarily follow. And I'm sure if Cinejax finds out, they're probably going to be upset about it. As Kevin would say, you're going to get in trouble because you're not following protocol. So um, it does happen, but I think it's important that um, those layers are, we we kind of did it the way that we did and focused on being able to offer. Um, I felt that when the audience was able to listen into each of these podcasts and pick up on each of these bits of information, it was like they could handle it, right? It was bite-sized. It wasn't like, here's the whole elephant, good luck. Here's a knife and a fork, figure it out. It We did do it bite-sized. And so it was in small pieces where they could kind of grasp onto it. And you said it perfectly. Now we hear what the needs are. We heard what they needed. And so then you go back to the drawing board and say, we've got to create this. We need to have something that's going to help them in a product that we can offer. Um, and so people probably now are going to be listening going, okay, great. She's talking about these products, but how do we, what are the next steps? Like, what do we do if I'm, you know, Joe manufacturing down the street and I'm interested in learning more about this, that I'm not a DOD supplier. What do I do? Like, what are my next steps? I don't know mass MEP. I don't work with you what, what do I do now? Like, how do I call you and say, Hey, Ellen, hi, I'm Joe manufacturer. I heard you in the podcast. I want to get started. Like, what do I do? Sure. I, I, that is a fine way. And I've had some people reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. Um, also a, a great, a great Avenue. Um, happy to take folks calls. Uh, and whether you end up working with us or not, like, Fine, right? Our our job is really to help manufacturers. And and one of the other things that to note, 
you know, the bite-sized pieces is also for, for me, right? <laughs> so cybersecurity was one of those things that I kept my head in the sand. I was saving my passwords to Chrome. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> and stopped, stopped doing that. Uh, I don't know about a year ago. Cause my husband was like, you got, you gotta stop doing that, which I'm glad I did, uh, with, uh, I use something called Bitwarden. Uh, I know Pete mentioned a couple of other ones on the podcast, but it touches everything. So it's like that, you said it's the top layer, the bottom layer. To me, it's it's almost like the foundation because when I go then talk about automation, I was just on the phone or we talk about IOT and these different systems and I'm out uh, talking to different suppliers I now have more knowledge and bandwidth to be able to ask the right questions and have red flags go up when somebody goes, oh, well, we'll just insert or have your machine online so we can monitor it. Mm. And I go, Ooh, I don't what, how is that secure? Tell me about that, right? right? Tell me about that practice. So we've, we're now joining, you know, and getting further into this connected world. And we at MassMEP, that's part of our job is to say, okay, here's different tools that you can use from an automation perspective. I was actually just on the phone with somebody about automation and how they would be able to be, have a camera and be able to see the system and how it's operating to help maintain it and keep it going. On one hand, you go, that is awesome. Right. Like I don't have the wherewithal or the knowledge to do that. I don't have an automation engineer on site. That's great. But now we can ask the questions from a cybersecurity standpoint to make sure that our clients are uh, are, are keeping themselves and their systems safe. Right. Right. Yeah. So what do you think is next for smart manufacturing and your initiatives for these breakout rooms? Are we still going slowly with this or need to move a bit? faster? Well, we always need to move faster. Everybody moves fast. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, as we've talked, a lot of these things have been out there, right? Mm -hmm. I, I forget Hayden said like uh, 3D printing has been out for eons, right? And it's only now really taking shape, right? So do we need to move fast? Yeah, yes, but there's only so much we can, you know, anybody, one person can handle. So mm -hmm. the next thing I'd say that we're working on at the moment is automation. Um, and, you know, we're making recommendations uh, today, pulling in um, different facilities, suppliers, um, integrators to have conversations and make recommendations. Um, and that is just an absolute necessity. Mm -hmm. um, there is a lack of workforce and, um, you know, we might say, well, that's gone down, right? But at the same time, there are, I hear it time and time again, I've had this rec open for X number of, you know, months, years, whatnot, and like, okay, I, I give up, and now I'm just not going to be able to ha have the capacity that I used to, and now I have to say no. Right. Um, that's not where we want our manufacturers. We want things coming back. And uh, I was at a client, uh, I think last week. And they actually pulled something back from Taiwan by automating it. Wow. And it was a fabulous story. And what it was is they allowed the culture, right? That's where their culture piece comes in. Whenever I walk through a shop, they had the culture and gave some people the autonomy to innovate, to create, to figure it out. They had like, so all of those pieces really come together 
to say, how are we going to do this? And how are we going to do it more effectively, more efficiently, rather than throwing people at it, yeah. right? And so with any innovation, come it comes out of a problem, right? Like, how do I solve that problem, yeah. right? And so automation is that key. And the reason we're focusing on it is A, the workforce. We got to be, especially in Massachusetts, we got to be more competitive from a cost perspective. Mm -hmm. So we got to bring, be able to do things more efficiently to, so that companies can then grow and not say no to business, right? It's not a, it's not a detractor of workforce. It's a, hey, well, we can do more business, probably pay people a heck of a lot more if we're then more profitable because we're doing, you know, some non-value add things. And, and a lot of it is, is simple stuff, right? It could be pick, pick and place packing. Uh, when you got somebody just sitting there all day, killing their back, moving things. Um, so that that is uh, our next step. And the other one is is IoT. That is a a huge world um, to delve into. Uh, we've gotten some of the foundations, but my gosh, you need metrics to understand where you're going. Yeah. Uh, and so we absolutely need to speed up down that path. Uh, we do metrics today. Again, I think one of the important things is to do things on paper first and know where you're at. Yeah. Uh, but being able to see things real time uh, and be a more educated workforce uh, using IoT is, is super important. Oof. Well, sounds like job security to me, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> you could say that you could say that uh it's going to be a busy busy world is what it's going to be but um it just seems that um I think you know we always obviously the pandemic I think one of the silver linings that came out of it was this and that just what you said um and that people are starting to they want to embrace that they want to be able to that's the one thing that they're proud of. And so you will have to have you back on. You'll have to see if we can get that client in and talk about that, because I think that's just so you get a lot of sometimes um, companies will look at it and go, oh, you know, but then I'm putting somebody out of a job. They're not realizing what the upskilling side of it is, you know, and just like you said, if it is, you know, the same repetitious where then you can take that person and teach them something different. They want that. They want to do that. They want to bring it back here. They want to be able to learn and expand and grow. And, and I also think we've also seen that there is, um, there is a much better value in a work-life balance today than there was, you know, even four years ago, you know, four years ago, we were, you know, to the grindstone, you know, this is something that maybe, Kevin's generation really learned how to embrace ours was like, no, you just work, you work, you work, you work, you work, you work. And now, you know, it's, we're starting to see that, that generations are saying, no, you can still get the job done and you can still have a good work-life balance. And this might be something that helps with that as well. And then it goes back to the culture and, and then there's the loyalty and then it, then that removes from, you know, your workforce and then you're building your workforce and you're keeping them and you're retaining them. So it's just, it is very cyclical in how it comes around, but you're right. It's finding that starting point. That's the right fit for you. And then how do you, how do you make that work then and build that into the rest of the pieces. So I think you're right. I think it does, it is more of a foundational piece. And then 
it's layering and adding elements into it because they're not all going to work for everybody. Right. And at that time, right. You don't, you know, there, there was a, a client that I walked into, we talked about automation. It is so clear. They would have a fast ROI on automation. Yeah. They have a guy there that, you know, is scared of it. Right. So it's, you know, the culture there was, was, was very separate, right. Shop floor versus management. And yeah. so that's where the culture piece comes in. I was at another place where, you know, the folks that are doing that pick and place and, and this auto, easy to automate job actually are going, I want that job over there. I don't want to do this anymore. So they can't keep people in those jobs because they want to move up and make more money. Right. So it's like that is a prime place, you know, of where to start. You got it. You, you can't just shove something in if it makes sense financially. Yeah. It's the culture piece. It's the cybersecurity piece uh, to, to kind of make sure all of that is going to fit uh, with with the client. So. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cool. Well, good. I think that was a good uh, we got it all kind of wrapped up in a pretty little bow. Everybody can reach out to us. You will be at the mashup in September. Uh, so yeah, you will be there. So we will have people can uh, track you down. Kevin signing autographs at the mashup. Uh, just so you know, for anybody that comes up and asks for one mm-hmm. at, uh, yeah, yep. Yeah. So anybody that listened to our last podcast episode, don't forget, you can get a free gift. If you say you listen yeah. to the podcast, they'll come yeah. get up, come up and get a gift. So yeah, maybe we'll give Ellen a couple of those. Does that too. mean I can? Maybe. Yeah. 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 Well, you can hand them out. I think you may already have the gift, but yeah. Yeah. We like to listen. We share the wealth at mass MAP, whatever gifts we like to give to our clients and our audience. We also give to our staff. So um, no, maybe, maybe not. Might be something else. Yeah. Yeah. Ellen's got some fancy mass MAP stuff. She's showing us right now, but yeah. Yeah. So, but you will, so you'll be at the mashup. And then honestly, if anybody, you know, like Ellen said, you can reach out on LinkedIn. Uh, We're all on LinkedIn. Uh, You can find us there. We have a contact us page on our website, right, Kevin? And people can just go on there and send information into us. Yep. Yes, we do. Yeah. Yeah, Even if it's just a question. I, we had somebody reach out a couple of weeks ago to talk about additive. mm -hmm. um, And they were talking about, they, they're looking to prototype. We asked a few questions. It took an hour of our time. We gave some recommendations. Uh, and then, you know, they're going to reach out when the, the right thing hits and we're going to continue that conversation. They're going to take that the the product offering that we have as well, but but then we're going to do further work to really understand what they're looking for. Because uh, they put a lot of time and effort into something that, you know, is for their client that might not be at the, the end result. So, you know, we get on a call, just chat with you, give you some pointers, some ideas. Yeah. You know, not, you know, far back. Yeah. And that's what we'll do too. I mean, we do the same thing that we say for you to do. And we do, we follow that uh, method ourselves and that we listen, uh, we try to advise. And then we have our experts in our staff that come in and they do a little bit of consulting. And then, you know, we don't, it's your choice and it's what you choose to do then after that. And we'll, we'll walk you through, you know, our recommendations and what we advise and then what we have put together and, and said, here's what would work for you. And then really it does come down to the manufacturer and them following through and then doing the work. 
you know, we can only, we can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. So we'll do what we can. And if you want us to, you know, to do that, you just reach out and we'll get you connected with the right person. And um, we're happy to, like Ellen said, we'll take the time and figure it out. And that's what we're here for. Um, that's why we come to work every day. It's for the manufacturers in Massachusetts and keeping them here in Massachusetts. So that is our goal. That's what we do. All right. Well, thanks guys. Thanks Ellen for taking time out of your busy day. Uh, My pleasure. Good yep. Good question, Kevin. Better get working on the next one. Yep. Um, maybe it'll just come to you when you're eating a snack next time as well. It does. They do have a habit of doing that, by the way, just so you know, your, your icebreaker questions will just start coming to you when you mm -hmm. least expect it. And you're like, Oh, I need an icebreaker tablet. I've got to write this down. Yep. Yep. I always, I always keep a pad and a pen with me just yeah. in case one hits me. Right. Yeah, right. Yes. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. You'll be waking up in the middle of the night. You'll be like, oh, got a great icebreaker question. Exactly. Bedside table right there. Oh, I love it. All right. So hopefully we'll see everybody at the mashup in September, September 19th at Polar Park. Uh, don't forget to go into MassMEP.org to get right to get registered today. So uh, thanks everyone for listening to the MassMEP Manufacturing Podcast and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the MassMEP Manufacturing Podcast, Transforming Manufacturing Enterprises. You can subscribe to our channel anywhere you listen to your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and you can always go to our website at massmap.org. So we'll see you next time, whether it's our space, your space, or cyberspace.